In this week's In-Ear Insights, what do we do when the numbers are not going the way they should be? Whatever number or KPI or uh, metric we're talking about, when the numbers aren't going in the right direction, the question is, what do we do? So, Katie, when the numbers are not going the right direction, I, this is a question we asked to the Analytics for Marketers community. What's some of the feedback we've gotten? And then what's your take as a, a senior decision maker when the numbers are going the wrong way? Well, when the numbers go the wrong way, you just panic and cry and just say, I quit and flip your keyboard over. And that's, you know, probably the best course of action that anybody can possibly take. Um, and then you get out of your head and then you start to uh, see what's going on. So some of the responses that we got were around, you know, analyze in depth, uh, run some A-B tests, set up some other experiments. And all of that is really good the challenge i have with some of with some of those responses though is it's all reactive which you know i'd say most of us you know sort of live in the marketing space live in that world where the only sort of time we get is to be reactive being proactive is kind of a luxury but i think that i try as much as i can to be proactive with our own data, because we do have, you know, the quote unquote luxury of being a smaller company completely in control of all of our data. So when I, when I feel like the numbers are starting to go in the wrong direction, my hope is that I might already have a plan in place to address it versus waiting until it happens and then trying to scramble to figure out what the heck I should do. Um, but Chris, you're, more of the numbers guy than me like what are what do you do to what controls do you put in place or what do you do if that happens I, I think the first thing to tackle is why like why which number is it and why is it happening and because there are things you know to your point there are things that are out of our control mm -hmm. um you know back in in 2020 uh which a seems like a long time ago and b seems like yesterday because uh, of how time has been working the last couple of years um you know we had no control over a global pandemic and, and the lockdowns that ensued and things like that. So that was a case where we knew why. Uh, we knew what was happening. We knew why. We probably knew earlier than most people uh, did because we were paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, was like, okay, well, there's not much we can do um, to change the, the macro situation. So what we did do was we said, okay, well, what are the things that are going to be less impacted? You know, books and webinars. We, you know, we were already a virtual company, so we didn't have to change much in our operations, but we did have to change what services we offered. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we backed off a lot from uh, the focus on AI and machine learning and, and got down to brass tacks. Okay, let's focus on getting people's analytics working so that they can keep an eye mm -hmm. on what's going on in their business. So that's usually my first stop. My second stop, and this is something that I was ranting to John about the other day, is a lot of the time people look at numbers in a vacuum. Like, oh, our MQLs are down. And, and you know, a, a missive comes from on high saying, you got to get your MQLs uh, up 20% this month. This happened at a, a software company I was working at a long time ago. Every month, marketing just got increasingly absurd demands for more marketing qualified leads. And we're like... 
what's going on? Like at some point we're going to run out of audience. We're going to run out of people who are qualified customers. And what turned out was the sales team was so bad at its job that they had about a 1% closing rate. So, you know, our pushback was, well, you know, if you took your closing rate from like 1% to 2%, we doubled the revenue we were making as a company with no extra lift from marketing. And you guys suck so badly that you literally could replace half the sales team with dogs and you would close, you'd probably double your sales just by replacing half the team with dogs because the dogs would be cute and people would want to stay on the phone with them. That's true. <laughs> I, you, you just sold me on whatever it was that you were selling. Um, and, and, you know, John pointed out also that there were issues like product market fit that were uh, you know, problematic that made selling difficult because our product was twice the price and half the quality of its competitors. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, again, those are things that are not necessarily under your control as a marketer, but they impact mm -hmm. your numbers um, because sales can't sell a product that nobody wants. So that's the big thing is for me, you got to figure out why it's happening. And then what are the factors that are under your control? What levers do you have that, that you can push or pull? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the uncomfortable answer is you don't have any. And at that point, it's time to update your LinkedIn profile. Well, I would say before you get to that extreme <laughs> step of leaving your job, the other things that are out of your control, uh, one of our community members commented, one challenge I'm having is tying macroeconomics into the equation without having it be an excuse. Um, and so, you know, as we're recording this, there's the, the America is pretty much on fire. We know this. Um, and everything that's happening outside of our little marketing bubble directly impacts our day-to-day -day business. It's, you know, a distraction for our audience, you know, they're, their priorities are elsewhere. We canceled uh, some of our live streams because we know that it's just not the right time, but that also then impacts our awareness and sort of it keeps going down the funnel. And even if our company is not directly involved in those things that are happening outside in the rest of the world, we become impacted by that because it's just people are just thinking about different things. And so our numbers will inevitably, because of that, start to go down. But Chris, to your point, that situation, those situations are things we completely have no control over. Um, it's just not the type of business that we're in to have any kind of meaningful impact on those larger things that will directly impact our bottom line. Exactly. And so you have two choices. Well, you have always have more than two choices, but there, there's two fundamental choices there um the first is you can pivot a lot of your efforts to inbound marketing so things where you know you're running search ads you're running you know you're, you're creating content you may not be promoting it you may not be pushing it in people's faces but you're at least letting the machines pick it up and for the percentage of your audience that does want to do business as usual you're there for that um I think that's always a sound strategy. You know, it's something that we focused a lot on in the early days of the pandemic is, okay, what can we do to be present for people who are frankly looking for work as a distraction from, you know, the, the, the planetary fire that was happening at the time. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is if it is aligned with your brand and if it is something that offers legitimate value, you can steer into whatever's going on. So like in, the, in our Slack group this morning, 
I published uh, an analysis of our own Twitter audience and saying, like, hey, here's what we're doing with the situation. Here's, we see that you know, the, the current situation is top of mind for our audience on Twitter in the last 24 hours. So we know that's an that's immediate no-go, turn off thing, keep things turned off and stuff like that. And then in teaching people, here's how to do this if you don't have access to machine learning. You know, uh, I gave a, a very manual recipe. <clears throat> um, it's not marketing a tragedy. It's not taking advantage of it in a tasteless right. way. It is offering help to people who are also in the situation of what should we do? It at least gives them a a choice. Um, you know, we can talk about crisis management another time, but that's always an option too for your, for your company if it's aligned with your brand. How does your company have something to offer to help in a situation where it's out of your control? You know, for example, a lot of companies early on in the pandemic pivoted to making, like alcohol companies started making hand sanitizer. Um, a lot of individuals started sewing their own masks and things um, and offering templates and patterns. You know, Joanne Fabric, I remember, was giving away free fabric for people to make masks and the little, you know, um, templates to make them because it was they, they saw okay this is aligned with our brand we want people crafting here's something that we can do to help the situation which doesn't necessarily address what do you do when the numbers go down mm. i mean yes it's good if you have the opportunity to pivot i think you know and i'm thinking of uh, a couple of companies that i've worked with in the past where the executives and the board don't care what's going mm. on outside of the business. They don't care that you've tapped the entire addressable market for your thing. They want to know why the numbers aren't going up. And I think that that's really the question that we have to think through because, you know, so let's say I came to you, Chris, and I said, you know, our newsletter subscribers are going down and, you know, the response that you would give me, which would, you know, be correct is, well, people aren't really interested in this right now. There's a lot of other things going on. I could very well be that CEO that comes back and says, I don't care. I need those numbers to go up. I have investors that I have to answer to. So I need those numbers to go up, make them go up. I don't care what you have to do. That I think is probably unfortunately a very common scenario it is and so again you we, we go back to okay well what do you have in your toolkit it's like because mm -hmm. so it, you know it, going to a kitchen analogy you say i need you know 20 more loaves of bread okay what do i have do i have the ability to do that do i you know what do i need to go and get if i don't have that you know, do i not have a mixer do i not have flour what are the things that are mi they're missing in the case of a newsletter subscriber situation okay great my first question to you would be, what budget are you giving me to work with? Um, because for what we're doing right now is what we're, is the results we're getting right now. In order for us to get something different, we have to do something different. What's the old um, Einstein quote? Uh, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result is the literal definition of insanity. Um, so what options are on the table is, would be my mm -hmm. first question back to you. And if you, the answer is nothing, you have to do everything you have to you know, hit impossible goals with no resources, then my answer is, I'm sorry, we're not going to hit those numbers. Um, we will we'll make our best efforts, but I'm telling you right now, we're not going to hit those numbers, and I'm going to update my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> well, and, but I do think, you know, as you're saying, like, what budget? I've been in that position where the answer is, 
until the numbers improve, I can't give you more budget. You have to justify that your efforts are worthy of more budget. So it's that it's that heart cart before horse, chicken, egg, whatever comes first. You need more budget to get better results, but you can't get more budget until you get better results. And I think that's a position that a lot of us find ourselves in of unless I can increase my numbers, I can't justify getting more money. So they're going to keep slashing and it's actually having the opposite effect. It is. And unfortunately, I can't think of a rational way. You know, the, the, the cliche is you can't cut your way to growth. Right? There is no way to cut your way to growth. Um, it simply does not work. So what we have to then question is, okay, well, of the tools that we have, you know, is there anything we could do for at least a little bit of change? And there's always a little bit. You can always um, find some way to, to do a little something, but that little something is going to have a little something as a result. It's unlikely it's going to yield a big result. Um, and certainly if you work in a larger organization where yeah, there is a lot of resource underutilization, you might be able to find enough resources um, to, to move the needle. But your first step then really should be you know, detailed attribution analysis. What are you doing that is working? And can you pull resources away from things that are clearly not working and, and push them into things that, that are? Um, that would be, in a, in a highly constrained situation, that would be my first step would be, okay, well, what, uh, if I have extra bandwidth somewhere, what can we do? Can we, can we push out an extra two blog posts a week? Um, if, the, if that were working well. Uh, in the case of like Trust Insights, uh, you know, organic search is not one of our drivers of growth. Um, uh, email is actually one of our drivers of growth. So my first question would be, okay, if we, ha if we absolutely had to push the numbers and we didn't have budget, could we send more email without burning down our list? Mm -hmm. Well, and it sounds like part of what you're saying is if you need to sacrifice certain marketing efforts in order to put more time and effort and budget into the things that are producing results, maybe that's the choice that you make for now. And so, you know, just as an example, you know, maybe what we have to do would be to stop spending any time posting on organic social, but really focus our efforts on making sure that our content is, you know, A plus content, you know, it, it hits all the marks and then that goes out in our email because the email is what's driving the most conversions. And so we would be able to sacrifice lower performing channels in order to refocus and prioritize higher performing channels, which is not a great long-term strategy, by the way, because then what happens is that you're just over-indexed on one thing. And so when you stop producing, you know, or putting the marketing efforts into that one channel, then the results will start to drop again. So it's not a sustainable uh, marketing strategy, but it is a Band-Aid that will get you, you know, to those higher numbers that you're being, you know, asked to produce. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so frequency is one of those things that is under your control to some degree, right? So how much you do stuff does does have impact, particularly in a world where, again, as we talked about in previous episodes, recommendation engines, if they have more stuff to recommend, um, 
you know, it, it's a it's a volume game. This is something that you were talking about recently uh, with services like TikTok, where you know successful businesses are are pushing a lot of content on it, and they know that it's like a venture capital game. You're going to put out a hundred pieces of content, one of them's going to land, and the other ninety nine won't. But if you put out one piece of content a week, it's going to take you two years to get that content to land. If you push out a hundred pieces of content this week, you might get that hit this week. Right. And, you know, it really is a gamble, especially with, you know, I'm glad you brought up, you know, uh, a platform like TikTok. It's all about trying to figure out how to game the algorithm, um, which you know, some systems will tell you exactly how the algorithm works. But even once you know, that doesn't mean that you have the ability to make it work for you. And a lot of these systems, a lot of these uh, social media platforms specifically, are adjusting and tweaking the algorithm regularly, like maybe daily, maybe weekly. And there is no one thing that's guaranteed to work. We have, we've done data analysis to say, you know, this many hashtags or, you know, longer form versus shorter form content. But there is no one perfect formula to say, if you do this exact thing, this is exactly the results that you're going to get, especially in digital marketing. The reason why, um, and again, this is, you know, my personal opinion, but it's also from years and years and years of experience. The reason why there is no one perfect thing is because of the audience, the audience and their attention span is changing all of the time. So today I may have three hours to scroll through TikTok, you know, just as an example. But if you aren't putting out your content today, I, the person who is the exact right person to see it, I'm not going to see it during those three hours that I have today that tomorrow I don't have. Tomorrow I have zero time to spend on TikTok and tomorrow is when your thing lands. And so you may have done everything right, except you just didn't hit the audience when they were willing to receive the information. And that's, you know, it's, it sucks to say that sometimes digital marketing is a crapshoot because you have no control over what the audience is doing at that moment. Exactly. But if you've got the content out there, there's more of a chance for it to land. So again, this is something that we were talking about. Um, and you actually were the, the driving force for me to resume my daily show. So you can see for a good chunk of 2021 here, uh, my channel got relatively few views, uh, you know, 70, 80, 90 views a day, because I had stopped producing a, a daily show. I had seen in the numbers that it wasn't really producing a lot of conversion impact. But one of the things you pointed out is that a lot of times YouTube is, is a break in the click stream because people will watch a video, keep watching videos, go do something else and come back, you know, or search for you a day or two or three days later because they remember, oh, yeah, I saw that video. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll go Google for this person and it shows up as organic search, not as as traffic from YouTube. So it will not show up in a standard click stream based attribution model. And when we look at what's landing, you know, in this time period, some of the top videos, how to use Google Analytics to measure LinkedIn, which is from 2017, that video probably needs to be replaced because it's completely out of date. <laughs> um, something from 2010 uh, got, you know, 2400 views. And then some of the shows like, you know, Source Medium for Google Analytics 4 is, is starting to, uh, to show up now. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to boost our channels, 
one thing that I think would be a, a, a straightforward tactic, um, again, for, for more at-bats, would be for me to take all the Trust Insights content on the Trust Insights channel, put it on my channel, and then take all my content from my channel, put it on the Trust Insights channel, effectively syncing them both. Um, because, again, it's just more hits. And the people who follow the Trust Insights YouTube channel might not be mine on mine and vice versa. So, again, mm -hmm. if the goal is just to get in front of people, um, you know, to make those numbers go up uh, somehow, um, this is a way to, in our unique case, this is a way to just take all the content that exists and just multiply its reach. And I think that's a, a, a tactic that, everyone can look at like what have you got in inventory and you know is there an opportunity to to republish it to publish it somewhere else if you've got a blog can you copy and paste it to medium right uh if you've mm -hmm. got a, a a instagram channel can you copy and paste it to to tiktok and so on and so forth and just create more opportunities for people to land on well and i think that that's a really solid piece of advice uh you know to go back to the original question of what do you do when the numbers go down? You know, so we've talked about how you might not be given more resources. You're probably not going to be given more budget. You know, so what can you do? Look at what's already working and maybe repurpose it. It's that transmedia framework um, that we like to talk about and say, all right, we have this really good piece of content that maybe it's a couple of years old. Maybe if I just spend five minutes refreshing it, or maybe it's not that old and maybe it only went out to YouTube, but I can take it and put the transcript on, you know, my blog and I can post snippets of it on different social media channels and I can promote it in my newsletter. You're not recreating it. You're just using it in a bunch of different ways. It's already created. And that is actually a really good tactic for, you know, if you're short on resources, you're short on budget but you're still being told, I need the numbers to go up. Look at what's already working and reuse it in multiple ways. There's so many different platforms that you could be reaching people on. Exactly. And if you are just flat out, out of ideas, like I don't know what's working or none of our stuff is working and, and things just you know, suck and we're, we're going to lay in a corner and cry. Once you finish laying in the corner crying for a little while, which is a, a completely valid thing to do, sure. um, go to the SEO tool of your choice, as an example, I'm going to bring up uh, the uh, Hrefs tool. Uh, but again, this is any uh, SEO tool. Type in the query of your choice, right? I put in Google Analytics 4. Let's look at this year, published this year, uh, that stuff that's working because it would be silly. Uh, and let's look at pages that got at least one view. <laughs> that's, that seems like a, a reasonable thing. That's a good thing. bar. It's a good bar. Uh, and will this be perfect? No. Um, but what it's going to bring up, what these, these tools do, oh, I forgot to hit show results, um, is <laughs> show us what is what are people talking about? What's, what's out there, right? So we have Google itself. Uh, we have you know, an article, why you should give it a chance. Um, a whole bunch of reactions. This is what people are talking about. People a lot of people don't like Google Analytics 4. Mm -hmm. Understandably so. It's a different piece of software. A uh, new course coming out from Trust Insights. Go to trustinsights.ai slash GA4 course. <laughs> and, um, and then looking out uh, and seeing what are the things that are people are talking about. And then 
not plagiarizing, but okay. saying, what do we have to say on the topic? What is our unique point of view that our audience values us for? And this doesn't have to be Google Analytics for it's anything, right? So if you make you know, beverage stabilizers, right? So you look at like guar gum in here and see what the what are the discussion topics? You know, there's a bunch of uh, mom bloggers complaining that it's, you know, it's a non-organic ingredient in their kids' soy milk or whatever. You have a perspective on that. Offer your perspective, and if you know based on the existing data, it's a it's a popular topic. Mm-hmm. Now you create you create something for it. So to your point, you may not have the resources that an organization used to to build one of these top performing pieces of content, but you have the brains, hopefully, um, to offer a, a point of view and become part of the discussion on it. So so it's a way to generate some interest in what you're creating without having to spend a lot of extra budget. Right. And, you know, a pro tip, and I wouldn't, you know, exploit this pro tip, but a pro tip is to, you know, if you're seeing these popular blog posts or popular discussions, it is okay to reference them in your content, make sure you are giving it proper attribution and citation. Because a lot of times what ends up happening is so let's say I wrote a post, and I quote Chris in it, and then give him credit for what he wrote the likelihood of Chris going, oh, you know, that's a really good use of my material. Let me go ahead and reshare it because then people will see that I'm being talked about. It's one of those, you know, little pro tips of it's an easy way to get your stuff shown by partnering with the right kind of people. Obviously, don't just throw people's links and, you know, Twitter handles into something in the hopes that they're going to reshare it because then, your stuff is still low quality. So produce high quality, you know, utilize other content as a reference point, and you'll have more of a chance of it getting to a wider audience. Exactly. It, it's, again, one of these things that, particularly as you become a more seasoned marketer over time, understanding people, human psychology and stuff like that, and how we work um, can amplify what resources you do have so if you know for example that a certain personality is just an egomaniac like oh chris penn wants to be mentioned at everything (laughs) you reference in a blog post right (laughs) and you know pretty much what's going to happen right Mm -hmm. if you if you do the appropriate things you're probably going to get a certain reaction you can take advantage of that reaction to your benefit and in this case you know if you're name checking an egomaniac um it's not causing any substantial harm, right? right? Unless that person is saying things that are just factually wrong. And that's a whole different topic. Um, but to your point, it's a way to amplify what's already there. And, and that's, I think, one of the tactical things that people don't think through enough is what are the little tactical amplifiers that, yeah, they by themselves, they're not the magic bullet that's going to you know change everything. But they can, they're additive. And when you, you start summing these things up you know again no magic wand no fairy dust but put them all together and a two percent increase compounded becomes a 200 percent increase over time i think that that's solid advice and so basically to summarize if the numbers start going in the wrong direction take a moment to panic and cry and flip out and then once you collect yourself don't just blow up your whole marketing strategy do those little you know tactics that will add up to the numbers uh moving in the right direction and so chris you know let's just hope that our numbers keep going up but if they don't we now have a plan 
Exactly. It is um, the Toyota production system, uh, first created by uh, W. Edwards Deming. Constant and never-ending improvement. Little tweaks everywhere you can make them mm-hmm. add up over time. You don't have to try and, and blow everything up at once. You're better off. How do you make little improvements all the time that eventually add up to big improvements? <clears throat> if you've made some improvements to your marketing, share it with your, your pol- colleagues. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, our free Slack group, where you and over 2,400 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is that you watch or listen to this show, if there's a challenge you prefer to have it on, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast, where you can find it in most other formats. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon. 